You're listening to The Bunker New York, live on RBMA Radio. You're listening to The Bunker New York on RBMA Radio. I'm your host, Brian Kasnick, and today I am joined by special guest Justin Cudmore, who just released his debut EP, Forget It, on The Bunker New York last week. He's going to be in the mix throughout the show and joining us for an interview later on. So right now we're just going to get right into the mix with Justin. You're listening to The Bunker New York on RBMA Radio.
Thank you. 
Music Academy Radio, keep it locked.
to The Bunker New York on RBMA Radio. We've been in the mix for the past 50 minutes with Justin Cudmore. Hey. Yeah, thank you. It's been it's been sounding great, and we're going to stay tuned. We're going to have more, more Cudmore later after the interview. Um, while we're doing the interview, I should note that we're listening to Justin's EP that just dropped on The Bunker New York last week, Forget It, which you can purchase on our Bandcamp and at this point in digital and physical stores around the world. So How's it going? It's going pretty well. It's going pretty, pretty well. Um, I guess we should go over some basic biographical facts here since you're you're new to a lot of people you're new to the scene yeah even th- there's a lot happening for you all of a sudden but it's yeah people still don't really know who you are so where you grew up in illinois yes i'm from uh the middle of illinois springfield central how, huh how far is that from chicago uh it's three and a half hours driving so it's actually um closer to st louis so growing up we would go see shows in st louis there's only an hour to st louis okay um and at some point you moved to Chicago. Yeah, so I grew up in Springfield. I went to uh, college in Champaign, which sort of moved me closer to Chicago. Okay. Um, Champaign is Uni- University of Illinois. It's kind of where I discovered some of this stuff, met some old people from uh, the Midwest rave scene, did some parties there in college, and then eventually moved to Chicago after um, school. Okay, so you were already, you were getting into it in school and then moved into Chicago and got more immersed. Yeah, but it was always just a hobby, a thing on the side, yeah. going out, learning about music, um, digging, constantly learning, hanging out. Um, yeah, Chicago, I moved to Chicago in 2010. And were there key clubs and parties when you got there that... Uh, like you were hanging out with that were influential? Um, definitely going to Smart Bar. I would go to Smart Bar almost every weekend in Chicago. Um, I think my friends, it was always a 
how can I trick my friends into going to Smart Bar again this weekend kind of thing. Right. Um, I pretty much went to Smart Bar every weekend or different. Um, I think in Chicago is the first time I went to warehouse parties. Um, there was different parties like Derek Carter would play or um, this party No Affiliation. Um, there was lots of just that's kind of where I experienced all this stuff for the first time. Um, it was kind of a, a big learning period for me. Um, uh, Chicago was good. I, I had a, a good time there. And I assume you were, when did you, were you starting to buy vinyl before you got to Chicago or did that start after college when you got there? Um, during school in uh, 2008, I, I studied abroad in Oslo, in Norway. Oh, okay. And I would go to um, these parties at Prince Thomas and Lindstrom. They would play parties once a month at this club called Blow. Um, super cool. Um, I would take the train there, not know anyone, just hang out in the back. Um, and that's kind of what I started learning about music, going to record stores in Oslo. Um, it was That's kind of where that, that sort of started. Is this before Prince Thomas had kind of was he had he had, was he famous at that point? Was he just a local DJ in Oslo? I think he was just starting to be famous. It was yeah. 2006, 2007 was like um, DFA. There's lots of blog stuff happening. Oh, the blog house era. Yeah, um, <laughs> <laughs> a dark period. <laughs> <laughs> but for someone like me who showed up in college and you know didn't know anything but was learning about DFA and all this music online, it was, you know, sort of an entry point for me because, like, there was a lot of it, but it was very thin. So if you dug a little deeper, then, you know, just started learning about different stuff. Um, but yeah, 2008, Norway, and that was kind of my first trip through Europe and buying records, going to parties. It was cool. And then uh, wh where were you buying records in Chicago? When you were going to Smart Bar and I assume um, building your collection. Yeah, actually, just need to know we go to Gramophone. I um, forgot who introduced me to Gramophone or how I found it, but um, maybe through Steve Isaac, Little White Earbuds. Um, that's kind of that was an entry point too. Um, yeah. When did you When did you meet Steve? How did that happen? Because that's when I when I first heard of you. You were uh, was when you were writing for Little White Earbuds. Yeah, I remember I met you. Um, I was selling ad space. You were selling ad space for the bunker. Oh yeah. There was that different... was you. Jeez, wow. <laughs> I actually <laughs> forgot about that. Um, yeah, I was like, man, I gotta. I gotta help Steve out with little white earbuds, so like, we could get our uh, yeah <laughs> our, our fifty our fifty dollars per week or whatever it was. Um, yeah, I don't think it was. <laughs> or it wasn't even maybe twelve, fifteen. Yeah, it, it wasn't a lot, but I wanted to yeah give something to little white earbuds because uh, that was a. I mean, I miss that. There's still some great journalism happening around electronic music out there, but I think it's become really few and far between yeah it's and changed. that was that was the era when like uh there was little white earbuds there was minimal sausages it felt like there were very much not for profit things people with like a really interesting voice right i personally i miss that yeah it wasn't just about content it was about, clicks yeah well now it's about clicks yeah but. pre like pre pre-click mania yes yeah. yeah i met steve out at a party i think it was this warehouse party where Pepe Braddock was playing, um, like Cubot and 
funny enough, like Hernan from All right, um, Sanchez from um, where's he work now? Shemansky. Yep, was DJing there. I only know this because I was looking back through all these events on RA the other day. Um, we met. I met Steve. We hung out, um, and he knew that I was working in ads and you know marketing stuff, and you know he saw that I had an interest in this, so he kind of asked me to help out, and um, that led to you know opening up a whole new world for me you know seeing all these mixes every week and the content and i was helping out but also learning you know a ton did I, you do any of those i'm trying to remember what it was called the, the little white earbuds mixes that were done by staff that i think were yeah the cur- curator's cuts curator's cuts and it was like were those anonymous no those weren't anonymous jordan oh. Yeah, Jordan would do one. Sure, I, maybe I just Jordan's remember here. somebody do, somebody doing one with a, and the photo was like a record in front of their face. Maybe that's why I thought it was. Yeah, nice. everyone sort of hid their face. Chris, Chris did one. Yeah, so Chris Miller, Chris Gunnar Miller, Gunnar Haslam. Haslam. So, yeah. Okay, so he's the one with the record in front of his face. I, I did the record. I think everyone did that. Yeah, that was the thing. You put okay, the record that's in front why, of your face. That's why I thought it was anonymous. So we didn't <laughs> see your face, but we we knew who made them. Yeah. So it's interesting how a lot of these things have now like come full circle with, you know, you and Chris are in the same crew, same label. Jordan's here hanging out. Yeah. Helping us on the radio. <laughs> hanging out. We, we don't know why Jordan's here. He's just, you know, always <laughs> around. Um, so at, at what point did Little White Earbuds end? Um, I think I'd already moved to New York. Yeah. When did you move to New York? Um, I moved to New York almost four years ago. That was so 2013. Okay. And Steve's gone on to great things as well. Steve's He's gone on to great things. Chris has obviously gone on to yeah. awesome things. Um, yeah, my boyfriend got a job in uh, New York when we were dating in Chicago. And um, at the time, Chicago, I was... You know, it's having fun, but the prospect of continuing to explore and keep adventuring, I went to, I moved to New York with him, uh, 2013. And we moved to an apartment in Brooklyn, um, been in that apartment ever since. And Chris was kind of the, my only friend when I moved here. So yeah. I would hit up Chris and be like, you want to go record shopping? Oh, he's like, you should come to the bunker, you know? Yeah. And that's kind of how I went to the bunker for the first time. And when did you when did you and Chris connect with Servito? Because I feel like you guys have been all thick as Steve's for as long as I can remember. But at some point, you I, all met. I met Mike one night at this random, not that random. Uh, he was playing at TBA Brooklyn. Um, we were conversing on SoundCloud. I think I commented on some of his mixes. Um, he commented back. Um, I saw that he was playing a show at TBA, so I went to go say hi. Um, and then we kind of hit it off, and you know, every few weeks we'd see each other. And then we found out he was actually working in the same area I was in the West Village. So after work, we would get a drink, hang out, keep talking about music. And then Chris just kind of got pulled into the the loop because um, I was going out with Chris, and Chris is taking me to the parties where Mike is playing, and Mike is there. So it's like public. Was this public assembly era of the bunker or no? Uh, no, I'd, you moved here in 2013. That would have been. I just missed the public. So my first bunker okay. was, I think, when you guys were just starting at Output. Okay, so that era. Yeah. Interesting era to start with the bunker. <laughs> I mean, for me coming to New York at the being and being an Output, it was like whoa. Yeah. Yeah, those. I mean, well, those parties at Output were all really intense. I kind of remember the early ones being very 
very intense because at the time they were kind of like the the biggest bunkers that had ever happened crowd size wise yeah and lineup wise and especially um early on at output i kind of likened it to a kid kids with a new toy or something when they they had the function one sound system and they would for the first couple parties it was so loud just remember seeing my friends like kind of freaking out in sometimes not in the best way like it just how just loud and intense the party i mean suddenly it was, was like it's i mean unfortunately output is not the same you know back then it was um it was different like when you guys first took over output it wasn't it hadn't really gone on the radar just yet i think Places, the club had just opened yeah it's yeah i mean this happens to a lot of clubs yeah that have to bring people in every weekend and have to market every way they can sometimes the crowd suffers um but that was a cool time to sort of be introduced to mike's world and your world and the bunker and you know it was I had heard of it from Chicago, but, you know, being there, seeing it, knowing Mike, having met Mike, hung, hanging out, it was all very cool. So, um, what is Hot Mix? Hot Mix is... <laughs> <laughs> Mike is giggling. Um, <laughs> it's me, Mike, and Chris, Chris Gunnar Haslam. Um, the three of us, um, we drink a lot of margaritas, we make a... <laughs> make. <laughs> don't make music but play music um you know we're just friends buddies and playing together i think we all sort of contribute a different sort of aspect and when the three of the th those aspects com come together um it's really fun so we've been doing these tag sets yeah the first time we did it was actually at good room one random like a thursday um we did one at basa and then um that sort of slowly moved into the bunker yeah yeah i remember i helped you guys set up the one in the it was like a weekday in the bad room yeah the bad room i forgot about the boss one and then we've done well i feel like the bad room is kind of the the bad room is the hot the, mix the start room. of hot mix yeah because we've done two two bunkers in the past i don't know four months or so where hot mix just took over mm -hmm. the bad room all night and we have another one coming up that's the April. April one, April April 1st, April Fool's Day, which yep. will announce the rest of that lineup soon. But for now, we can definitely say that Hot Mix is going to be taking over the bad room again. Again. Um, so, yeah, that's great. It's, it's fun. We do tag stuff. We, you know, we'll do, say, oh, 20 minutes, 20 minutes, 20 minutes. Each kind of let, um, let him or her um, dive into their um, sort of have a moment and then switch it instead of... And then you can kind of hang out, go talk to people and come back and you don't have to be hanging in the booth for eight, what is it, eight hours? Yeah. yeah. Do you find it maybe less stressful to play like that? Is it? Does it make it more stressful to be playing with two other like really talented DJs like that? Or is it less stressful because you kind of have the time to step back for 40 minutes before you come on again and... Yeah, I like the breaks um, and... You know, the the first time stepping up with Mike and Chris, it was definitely a little intimidating, um, obviously. So, but slowly as, you know, we become really good friends and um, I think it's cool that um, it, it, the, the giving the like 30 minutes, 30, 30 minutes, um, it definitely makes it more manageable and you know, calms my nerves a little bit. Yeah. So how the three of you were on this uh, Honey Sound System EP together last year. It was your original track. 
and then a Servito remix and a Gunnar Haslam remix, right? Yes. How, how did how did that come up? Like, how did that? When did you start producing it, and how how did it end up on the Honey Eat Sound System label? Um, well, I guess I was I would always make music and send it to Mike and see what he would think. Um, but this one track, Crystal, in particular, when I sent it to him, I was like, Mike, check out this track. Mike, check out this track. And you know, he kind of had to bug Mike like four or five times to check his email. And then I could tell when he did Twitter, check his Twitter DM, man. I could tell him. I could tell when he did check the email because <laughs> I was at work and there was a string of like twenty text messages in a row and be like, "What the fuck? What is it?" <laughs> so he got. He was super excited about that. The original. Um, he tested it out at the bunker. I think before Paranoid London or after Paranoid London. I, if I'm, I could be wrong here, but I think this was the beginning of Servito act, DJing in front of people, not vinyl only, right? That yeah. Track? Yeah, because you were like, you're like, Justin made this track. Leisure Muffin did a quick mastering for me. Like, I gotta play it. That was Servito's first. JD or someone was like, I think I just saw Servito play a track from a USB, (laughs) (laughs) and everybody was like, No! (laughs) First time with USB, yeah, yeah. Track Um, that was so hot, it got Servito Servito off of all all vinyl. vinyl. (laughs) Um, (laughs) (laughs) Um, but yeah, so he was obviously really feeling this track and he sort of we came up with the idea i think listening to other clips of the track or different loops that i didn't use in the original and he was like oh what's that what's that and i think this idea just sort of organically came about he's like what if i do a remix what if we do a remix together um you help me you know assemble this track but i want to arrange it in a certain way and you know he has such a great ear so um and then the idea of looping kristen I think came after talking to Honey because there was maybe the need for a third or I can't remember if we looped Chris in and then sent the whole package off but um, it just very organically naturally came together. Yeah that's always the best Yeah, when things work out like that. Um, I feel like we've covered most of what I wanted to cover here. Are there, there are any, this is always a funny question, like future plans that you're we talked about your upcoming gig at the bunker. Any other gigs, records, remixes, etc., coming up that you want to talk about? We can, yeah. That'll be out. We'll we'll be. We were. It'll be officially announced on Monday, but we can announce it now. Sure, why not? Sure. So, um, doing did another remix with Mike. Um, that will be coming out on the bunker after my record. Forget yeah. it. Um, and it's a remix of Chris. So it's kind of a full hot mix attack on the bunker, um, which is very cool. Um, so it's will be our second remix together. Um, we've been playing it for what six, eight months? No, six months. We did it last fall. Um, excited about it. Yeah, and the original I remember. Well, I think the first time I heard it was at Movement last year during Mike and Derek's set. You played the you played the original Gunnar Hazam. Yeah, I remember seeing you on stage. Go over to Chris and be like, "Is this? Is, can I have this?" <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, yeah, um, these things take time. Yeah, it takes time. When they come together organically like that, it's really, really nice. Um, so I know you have some other records coming up. We probably can't mention those yet. And uh, no, we can. We can. We oh, can, we can mention that. Yeah. So. Uh, <laughs> IT, Interdimensional Transmissions, is doing an ACID series, um, and I think it's going to be seven different artists. Um, I'll be one of those artists. Uh, Chris, along with um, Tin Man, Romans, will 
also have a record. Um, so I'm excited about that. I'm not sure when that will come out, but sometime in the spring, summertime. Yeah. Um, but obviously, I can't believe that that's even real or happening. But um, Brendan has been super cool and um, kind of gave me a lot of time to work on music, and I just kept sending him stuff and. Um, what came together, I'm, I'm very excited about. Cool. So very much looking forward to that. I think everybody involved is going to be playing in some form, probably over the weekend in movement, Tangent Gallery. So yep. everybody stay tuned for more info on that. I know we can't announce all that yet, but IT in the bunker will be taking over the Tangent Gallery as usual for yeah. the entire weekend of Movement Detroit this year. Um, well... Thanks a lot for joining us. We're going to let you. you. We've still got about 45 minutes left in the show for you to play some more after we will finish out this this moment, which is the B2 on the upcoming EP. And then I guess you want to mix out of that? Sure. Okay. So uh, I'm Brian Kasnick, your host. We're here with Justin Cudmore, who's going to get back into the mix. This is The Bunker New York on RBMA Radio.
Taylor. You're listening to The Bunker New York on RBMA Radio. We've been in the mix with Justin Cudmore. Thanks for joining us, Justin. Thank you. And uh, as we said earlier, you can pick up his EP that came out last week at thebunkerny.com. And in a couple days, we're going to have the pre-orders up for the next record, which is uh, Gunnar Haslam's single with a remix on the b-side from cudmore and servito so if you haven't picked up the first one just hang on a couple days and you can order them both together uh yeah any double pack yeah (laughs) save on shipping yeah thank you very much this was so fun yeah it's great having you uh good luck in all your future endeavors we'll see what happens yep okay you've been listening to the bunker new york on rbma radio (laughs) 